2: Are you feeling a bit animated? Well, come on over to the Wicked Anime Podcast on the Nerdy Show Network, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to animation, Japanese culture, and all things anime. With a true industry perspective, we're always diving deeper than school uniforms and tentacle monsters. Join us on the Wicked Anime Podcast, nerdyshow.com slash anime. It's Wicked A!
3: Following programs presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. That's low energy, but lots of fun. (laughs)
0: Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug.
2: I'm Boar. And I'm John.
0: And we are going to share with you all of the things that we have been doing in the nerd world and also the cool shit we've seen. Recently, there was San Diego Comic-Con. So our nerdverse is resplendent in all kinds of previews for things that we should or shouldn't be excited about. And we'll certainly share our thoughts on what we think is of note. There's an awful lot to sift through. I've, in the past, usually gone to San Diego Comic-Con. But much like last year, I avoided it this year. I was doing some other stuff. We'll get to that eventually, but... uh, meantime, Doug, it's been a while since you've been on the show. What's cooking? Good looking? Ugh, just a lot of work.
3: (laughs) Ah. Yeah, no. Get out of here. I don't want to hear about that. All right, I'll go back to work. Goodbye. Okay, (laughs) see ya. This is the big bummer. Um, The only thing sort of nerdy and fun of note that happened recently was last night I saw Mission Impossible Fallout. And uh, I don't know if you want to save that for a separate talk, but just for starters, Mm. I really liked it.
0: Okay. Cool. Good for starters. And I guess we'll have a spoiler-free review. Yeah. forthcoming
3: in this episode. Oh, sure, sure, and, definitely. And
2: when will Bethesda start suing them for using the Fallout name?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it is it is kind of a weird thing. that's just Fallout.
0: I know. Like... I know why they used it, but goddamn, if Fallout the video game isn't the most thing synonymous with that particular word in yeah. terms of a media title. Yeah. Huh. How about you, John?
2: I've been killing space terrorists.
0: Oh. Well, good. Thank you for your service.
2: I know. Me in the galactic community.
0: Explain yourself. Oh,
2: Elite Tell Dangerous. Tell us about your
0: war crimes. Oh, Elite Dangerous. We're still on that, huh? You're still still being elite and dangerous? Yeah, man.
2: I modded the shit out of my ship. It is insane. Like, I can run my beam lasers for pretty much forever now, and that just means, <laughs> like, I don't even have to point the ship at fuckers anymore. It just wipes them out of the sky. Ah, <laughs> oh, glorious.
0: So you'd say that you're, you're living a good second life out in the virtual space
2: yes
4: you're playing second life now
2: no (laughs) oh that's called Sanser or something
0: what kind of pose pose orbs do you have how many pose orbs do you have in your in your house in second life john
2: did i
0: ever
2: tell you about that one time that i was flying around in second life and i dropped down in just a random completely ordinary looking house no but it was filled with pose orbs of nefarious nature
0: Oh. Such as?
2: That was like every single day. No, it was just a whole lot of poses involving interesting usage of bathtubs. And I think they probably had a dungeon in the bottom. That game was really fascinating. Just a normal house. Just a normal normal house.
0: I'm under the impression it's still really fascinating. But did you just name drop the the virtual version, like Second Life's sequel self in... The VR yeah, sensor. San- yeah,
2: no, it's, uh, it's a kind of weird thing. I haven't actually gone on there in a long time, but the shit on there back like a couple of months ago was already really, really weird.
0: It's VR Second Life. It's Second Life. Yeah, the next
2: Second Life with <laughs> modern graphics and virtual reality. Wow. I mean, some of the stuff I wound up in was basically like things that the, the art guy would make from Bioshock.
0: The art guy, with the
2: rabbit ears.
3: Uh, I see. Yes. Yep. Him. The, the artiste. Yes. The art guy. The you No. Know? <laughs> see, right now, I just want to see a third installment to the unfriended horror movie franchise. <laughs> that because the second one was was it the dark web. The third one needs to be VR Second Life. Type I don't game. even
4: know what you're talking about right now.
3: <laughs> but there's this there's this horror movie series called Unfriended, and the first one was like low budget. The gimmick of it was that the entire movie is like you're looking at a computer screen of like a Skype call and everyone gets murdered one by one and you're trying to figure out. It's dumb. It. Is, I mean, it is It is bad. Boris making a face that yeah. I wish translated into radio. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. It's, it's like he smelled a smelly poop is really what it looked like. <laughs> um, I don't
4: know. All I can say is what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> no,
3: It's. it was such low effort. It was terrible. Um, I didn't even, I, I mean, I say it's terrible. I didn't give it. A viewing so i don't know but so the, the sec- people
4: on this call just continued on the call they didn't like oh we should yeah call the authorities because it was kind or... of like
3: i know what you did last summer except via skype and people just kept dying and it's just like you did bad things and now i'm coming through and because it was like friends chatting and all of a sudden like one of that un- the default profile picture of just a silhouette comes up and like who is that who is that and then like the- someone suddenly gets killed on their end and then it's like typing to them threatening messages and whatever anyway the sequel came so out so the
4: killer was not only a killer that knew all these people, but he was also a hacker.
3: I guess. But the second one is called Unfriended to the Dark Web. And like, that's another Skype Call movie. But the idea is that this, I found a laptop at like the Lost and Found where I work. And let's, it's been there for like a while. So I just thought I'd bring it home, crack it open. Like, let's see what's on Maybe there's some weird porn on here. And it's like, leads you to like the dark web where like you buy hitmen and, you know, assassins and drugs and all these things. And then suddenly like the guy who owns the laptop is like, T- texts all of them you have my laptop return it in an hour or everyone dies and they're like oh my god we're all dying but I, I wanna see the third one where someone puts on like an Oculus and they go into Second Life <laughs> and they're just flying over a random house. They go inside the house, there's this weird positions in the shit, and then there's bathtubs everywhere, then they go down into the basement, <laughs> and then as they go down to the basement, the owner of that house flies back and is like, What are you doing in my house? And he's like, No, nothing. I just ah. And then it's like, if you take off that Oculus rift, you die in real life. <laughs> I've hacked your Oculus, it's gonna it's gonna burn your house Why down. am
4: I stuck on this pose orb? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sword art all over again.
0: What <laughs> <laughs> what I think is so weird about Sanser is that it's called Sanser, which sounds like cancer. Sanser,
3: <laughs> in... my little darling Sanser. Oh, yeah, in
0: in Super Jail, uh, there's a there's a little girl from a from a child cancer ward who ends up in Super Jail by accident, and uh, the inmates who can't read read the word cancer is like.
2: Ugh. Censor? Was was that like one of Jailbot's infamous just fuck-ups again?
0: It's been a while. It's a season one episode. I I don't recall. It's
2: got to be Jailbot. It's always Jailbot.
0: Boy, you got a big trip coming up.
4: I do. I've been spending a lot of time uh, just making arrangements to go to España. Oh, good list. Do you like that? I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm not even going to the part of Spain where that's a thing. But, you know, you got to make sure that you're ready no matter what. (laughs) Gracias. <laughs> For have your you, service, exactly. I feel, I feel like Taffy Duck.
3: <laughs> have you been brushing up on your Spanish? Uh, un poco. <laughs> not, oh, enough. not enough. Pump. Not enough.
4: Yeah, no, it's not enough. Um, but I'm gonna have a translator the entire time that I'm there. So I'm not. Oh, do you mean your phone or no, a human? translator? No, a human. A human okay, okay. translator, uh, who some of you, if you're long listeners of uh, Derpy Show, back in. The first season that we didn't... There were seasons? No, there weren't.
3: <laughs> they were derpenings. But one of the derpin.
4: early episodes uh, called Programa Tonto was the episode title. Uh, we had a Spanish girl named Marina come on and we asked her a bunch of really dumb questions about Spain. And back then she had a translator because she wasn't the greatest in English. This was like six years ago, almost, almost exactly six years ago, actually. And uh, we kept in touch. I'm going to go hang out and uh, tour around Spain. Should be a good time. Got any highlights?
0: Got any things that you've like earmarked? Like we're for sure doing that. Looking forward to it. I'm going to see a lot of castles.
4: That's I, cool. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go see a couple of the locations where they've shot Game of Thrones scenes. Oh, right on. Specifically, I think a few of the castles they used in Dorn. I think they shot some of the Dornish scenes at one of them that I know that I'm going to.
0: Are you a fan of any of the uh, Spanish uh programs dramas that are on uh, netflix by any chance like no no you haven't watched any of those
4: not even un poco okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be really good at saying a little while i'm over there (laughs) yeah tell you
0: what (laughs) anything else you've been up to lately
4: well the new world of warcraft expansion is coming out august 14th Mm.
3: people still playing that game
4: they are still playing that game and uh they just recently released the pre-patch for the expansion so right now the game plays as if It will after the expansion, but you can't level up or go to the new continents or anything like that yet. So some of the content is still gated until August 14th. But right now all the characters have all their new powers and everything plays differently now. So I've been spending some time trying to figure out which of my characters I'm going to favor in the next expansion. And I don't know which one I'm going to pick yet, but I'm leaning towards Death Knight or Monk.
2: Are there uh, hamsters yet with uh, swinging capacities and possibly machine guns?
4: That is actually in Overwatch.
3: Yep. What the fuck
4: are you folks saying? <laughs> Overwatch recently added a new hero called Wrecking Ball, and it's a hamster in a robot... Or Hammond. ...ball. His name is Hammond. Okay. He rolls around the <laughs> battlefield, and when he stops, it kind of throws out robot legs, and you... And, deploys machine guns and you can is it like shoot a giant hamster
0: or like a literal hamster it's a hamster human oh my god type thing like i mean i didn't really doubt you because i know overwatch is a crazy game it but
2: didn't used to be this level of crazy but yeah this is a whole new
0: ball game here this
2: is
3: it had a talking gorilla like, what... it had What's a surprising? talking
2: gorilla but that's far more as they even joke like that makes a hell of a lot more sense than a fucking like gibberish talking hamster with a Robot that he built. But the gorilla was supposed to be an
4: an experiment on the moon where they made a gorilla extra intelligent. (laughs) The hamster is just
2: part of. It's called uplifting, of course, using the classic sci-fi terms. So this was
3: this hamster uplifted, or is it just a hamster? The hamster was also
2: uplifted, but he grew to larger size and he got really, really smart. But he still talks gibberish hamster. But then the robot kind of interprets for him. Hmm, that is wild.
4: Yeah, he does really weird stuff too. Like, he's just got like this grappling hook that he kind of grabs onto stuff and then starts swinging around this giant ball. So he it acts like a wrecking ball. I think ball he's one of the fastest and...
2: characters in the entire game now because you yeah. can actually just launch the hook forward and effectively pull yourself to like rapid speed. Everything's off, all the bets are off. They could have made an entire game with just his play style as the mechanic for like the main character, period.
0: This hamster is voiced by famed voice actor D. Bradley Baker captain rex i'm assuming
2: that's the robot part or is that is I, it just some going <laughs>
3: i <laughs> like
2: what
0: <laughs> i don't know i'm not sure but i do know that he according says, to a uh, <laughs> uh, according to a variety article the the character was almost voiced by the distressed cries of coyote pups mixed with rodent squeaks but d bradley <laughs> Breaker stepped in and did the thing
2: so maybe it is actually the hamster not the robot
0: having never played this i can only make some guesses and i'm also not speed reading an article in the middle of an episode i can just give you the bullet points research it yourself but i am (laughs) but i'm shocked i'm shocked by this this development for overwatch this is a whole new level of cartoon reality on their part yeah
2: that was my thought it's fun though i was just like oh okay cool whatever
0: it's way more like i don't know a street fighter-esque ridiculous fighting game now it is Mm -hmm. the gloves are off they can do anything yep Well, I was in Chicago recently, uh, which caused for us not having an episode last week. I'm sorry about that. I thought I was going to be able to record something while I was there, but it was a work trip for the most part, and we were just too damn busy. However, that said, some fun was had, because I also run the Consequence Podcast Network, the podcast network of Consequence of Sound, and this past weekend, the Losers Club, their Stephen King podcast, did their first large event and their first live recording in front of an audience, the Welcome to Castle Rock Stephen King Film Festival at the Music Box Theater which I'm told went awesomely, but I wasn't there. I had to get back because I had some concerts to go to, but we'll talk about that momentarily. But I helped them prep for that. Um, we put together some merch. We um, did some uh, some tech tests and so on and so forth. But while I was there, I did record a podcast that wasn't Nerdy Show. There's an upcoming episode that might be out, by the time you hear this, I don't know, of uh, Halloweenies, the uh, Halloween podcast chronicling one film from the Michael Myers film series every month until the new film comes out this October, which is a version of the universe where the only film that happened prior to this was Halloween 1. Not even the John Carpenter written and directed Halloween 2 happened. It's just Halloween 1. There's been this huge 30-year-plus gap in time. Actually, like, what, 40 years? And now uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, the traumatized babysitter, has been prepping for Michael's return for years. Is it gonna be good? We don't know, but we are counting down a film franchise that I've been a big fan of for a long time. The editor in chief of Consequence of Sound, Mike Rothman, actually ran in his adolescence from middle school like through to college what was one of the best respected Halloween fan sites in the world.
2: Hmm, but, really?
0: Yeah. had <laughs> I had
2: no idea. You,
0: but you you knew about <laughs> HaddonfieldIllinois.com, right, John? No. Really? I didn't. Okay. Oh, so Mike ran a, a website called Haddonfield that was that's where Halloween takes place and. And yeah, it was like a Halloween news site, like all through like the release of H20 and Halloween Resurrection and all those like later era Halloween films. Like, you know, he was there writing articles, writing pieces. I think I even wrote for it at one point in time. It might have been my first journalism. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I was on the episode of Halloweenies talking about the sixth film of Halloween, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, which is a particularly difficult one because there's two versions of the film. There's the theatrical cut and there's also the what was called the producer's cut, which Mike and I first watched when we were in like high school or something, as like a tenth generation VHS copy of this thing that was a screener for the film. that has an extremely different third act. Um and it's also the first starring role of Paul Rudd, or as he was known at the time, Paul Steven Rudd. He huh. he does a very unusual performance as Tommy Doyle, the little boy who Jamie Lee Curtis was babysitting. Huh. But he's an adult. In this in this he's, you know, time has passed. He's an adult. He too has been obsessing over Michael Myers. Uh, So it was a really fun episode, and I used to hate Halloween 6, but having watched the producer's cut in its recently remastered form, they've actually made it so people could see it legally and pay them money for it, and it's great. It's a great addition. I actually like it a lot now. It it actually might be my third favorite Halloween film of all, Hmm. which is before that is the first one, the third one, and Halloween 6. Honestly, if you asked me years ago, I never would have said that was possible, but...
4: My rankings are a little bit different from yours. Mine are all just question marks because I've never seen any of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same boat. <laughs> John, have you ever seen a Halloween movie?
2: I don't know if I ever actually did a completion. <laughs> it was always just kind of like, oh, God, they're watching Halloween again. Christ, whatever.
0: <laughs> so look forward to that. We'll link to it if we can, if it's out on this episode's page. Also, for the event, for the the Losers Club event, Mike got a tattoo on his shoulder of the outline of the state of Maine. And icons for where different events happen in Stephen King continuity, which he's going to be able to add to as either more happens or he picks it. A... I think we decide the next one's going to be a little a little cat head for Pet cemetery. Just some minor, very, very quick design work on my part to put that together. But since we were over there, I wanted to get my ears pierced for a while. So I did that. Never had them pierced before. And they're pierced now.
2: Not Claire's?
0: Not Claire's. Kind of feel like maybe I should have done Claire's, except that I know that I got a, a much cleaner experience. But it was expensive. <laughs> So, um, also we uh, we did some karaoke while we were in Chicago. It was a lot of fun. I was there with with Mike and uh, Mackenzie Gerber from also from Losers Club, and we were at this this cool hole in the wall joint called Sideways, that had their the booth like the DJ booth had all this old equipment in it. That's like every time they stopped using a machine, they didn't get rid of it. They just piled a new machine on top of it. So they had. What looked like a 1987 Pioneer karaoke laser disc player and like several large bins of laser discs with these like little slots, you pulled them in and out of. Hmm. I asked the guy to show me all this stuff. I
2: was like, "You gotta show
0: me this!" It was pretty rad. And we um, we did a trio of James Bond songs. Ooh, I did which v- ones? I did View to a Kill. Mike did Live and Let Die, and uh, Mac did Nobody Does It Better.
3: All solid picks.
0: And then I did uh, then I did Cat People. <laughs> And Mac and I found one of the most inappropriate karaoke songs of all time, The Final Cut by Pink Floyd. It's a really wonderful but depressing song about a, uh, a soldier who becomes a recluse and weaponizes his home and is uh, suicidal. Mm. But that, that, that's just one of those things. You shouldn't perform that at karaoke. They should never have
3: made a karaoke version. <laughs> so we wanted to celebrate this obscure thing by doing a, a passionate duet <laughs> version of it. I've never gone karaoke singing, and I'm not... Keen on singing in public, but I've decided that if I was ever in a position where I was pressured to do karaoke and it was like, do it or you'll be like shamed, <laughs> I have decided my go-to is I'm going to pick American Pie, but just sing The Saga Begins. <laughs> you know, you can probably pick The Saga Begins. Yeah, I guess it is would be popular enough, but depending on where it is, they may not have it. <laughs> One of my favorite Camp
0: Fangamer memories, the second year there was a karaoke station sort of set up. A dude did um, Eye of the Tiger was mm-hmm. his request, but... He sang uh, the theme from Rocky Thirteen, the Weird Al song, from memory, in its entirety. Yeah. Okay. And that's a that's a magic trick that I'm all for. So yeah, that's a that's a a deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) If you do "Saga Begins" from memory, I will applaud. I think that's that's amazing. I'm just saying, I've actually I've performed "Dare to Be Stupid" at a karaoke bar before. Well, I feel I have the song. The
3: "Saga Begins." Enough people have heard it that they could start joining in and would cover up my poor singing ability. (laughs) So I came flew back to Orlando saw the
0: Smashing Pumpkins perform in Tampa with Mark with a C, which was, I'd seen them before during their tour for uh, Machina, and that was amazing. And I thought, well, you know, I really don't need to see them again. Like I saw was probably like the perfect Smashing Pumpkins tour for me to see. But this was this is actually great. I was really impressed by the visuals that they had. They filmed a lot of new material. It started with some fucking atrocious Flash animation. I mean, like they, had, they were bringing all their... Album covers to life, but in, in a way that was done by looks like someone of, with a high school flash animation skill. Weird. And and then, but which is totally disarming. And then he then Billy Billy Corgan sung disarm, which also had terrible graphics. But after that, I mean, it was like full amazing, like one of the best produced stadium shows I'd ever seen in terms of audiovisual stuff. Hmm. By the in, but like as soon as song three started, I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> um, Ran out of money. They yeah.
3: save the best stuff for the end.
0: I love the Smashing Pumpkins. I love them a lot. Even some of their newer stuff I'm, I'm into. But Jimmy doing the drums and James doing the guitars was great. But I felt like they, I don't know if it was Billy's ego or whatever, but like James really got pushed to the side, didn't, didn't get to do enough. And, and Billy, every male figure in, in any of the graphics that were accompanying was the visage of Billy Corgan. Like this might have been the reu- the big reunion tour, like the last one they ever do probably. But this was, make no mistake, this is Billy Corgan's show and it's all about him and his weird mommy issues. Hmm. <laughs> But then, then I, a couple days later, I went to go see Janelle Monet. Nice. And that was tight. It was a really wonderful, sublime experience of all the, like, the most loving people in Orlando coming together for a big pansexual, polyamorous party with the Electric Lady. She had really tight costumes, was doing some fun dances, very interactive, incredible chops seeing her perform these songs live. I mean, she is such an amazing singer. And um, she made a, a special dedication during the uh the encore where she took a moment and uh and read all of the 49 names of the pulse victims which mm-hmm. was really uh really emotional and very cool of her so yeah uh this show is so- really super duper sold out but if you can if she's come through your town and you can somehow find uh tickets and you want to go to a good time go to janelle Monae show that's my shit <laughs>
4: that was a lot of shit
0: that was a lot of shit so let's talk about I, something I have else. a question. Did yeah. you did
4: you look up anything that happened at Camp Fangamer? Because I'm I'm curious oh about my gosh. that announcement about Mayonnaise Hole or whatever yes, that I'm... you hinted about. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I, I haven't gotten the full recap. I need to call up my pals over there and be like, so how was it? And I hoped that I would be able to participate remotely from Chicago, but I was just too busy. That was the same weekend as San Diego Comic-Con, and it was the same weekend as Camp Fangamer, which in a perfect world, I would never, ever miss Camp Fangamer. But yes... They did play mayonnaise hole. I did see some video on Twitter. It's amazing when you watch somebody with a mayonnaise packet tied to a stick manage to drop it into a hole after being suspended by their friend via balance and and endurance. and, And a whole audience full of people are watching with rapt attention win that mayonnaise finally goes in that hole it just erupts it's like that gif where like that guy like ends up walking by the camera and his eyes are rolled back in his head and it's like, like that weird celebratory gif i don't know what it's called you probably know the one it's it just it's incredible like this is this is sports <laughs> this is this is professional <laughs> sports but distilled down to its purest form free from bullshit team rivalries and everything else it's just about endurance skill precision and putting mayonnaise in a hole god damn it
4: <laughs> right, right, right. I'm 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 aware of all that, but you said there was going to be some sort of an announcement.
0: Uh I oh, well there was yeah, there was going to I think what I was talking about was an announcement leading into Camp Fangamer and that was that what happened like the uh the narrative that occurred throughout Camp Fangamer was uh, was Reed, the head of Fangamer. He gave up on, on meat space. He gave up on the real world, and he decided to exist purely in the virtual world. So they created—and I haven't seen this yet because I wasn't able to participate—they created a full-scale virtual reality replica of the hotel in which Camp Fangamer takes place that you could—that Reed was in seemingly, like, you know, the whole time. They're eating virtual candy or something, and— people could participate in Camp Fangamer even if they weren't at Camp Fangamer. They could be virtually at the virtual moonside version of Camp Fangamer while the rest of the meat space Camp Fangamer was trying to convince Reed to come back. Now, I heard a bunch of things about what they were planning on doing. I don't know if that's what ended up happening, but I was under the impression that if you followed enough clues in the virtual space and otherwise, you would eventually, like on the, the first night, they would have found Reed in a crate in a car in the back parking lot of the I hotel. I have another question. Who's yes. Reed? The head of Fangamer. I said that. Okay. Yeah. And our little boy Lucas was there, but he's, he's a young man now. So he's got young man arms. And uh, that was pretty tight. There were also the uh, the head of Gamer Blood was there, giving out uh, some some Gamer Blood, I, I guess, probably. But like I said, I didn't get recapped. This is all things that were told to me in preparation for the event happening and me weeping tears of infinite sadness, um, melancholy the infinite sadness. <laughs> um that I wouldn't be able to go to Tucson Arizona for the best time ever. But, you know, maybe there will be a fourth camp fan gamer and maybe then we can have the official nerdy show Manny's whole league. I mean, I was asked to ref. They asked me to be the ref and I was wow. like, that is my shit. We would
4: need to start practicing.
0: We would need to start fa- pa- yeah, but I hopefully I think, you know, I think at this point They've got all the regulations down. If you're really if you really want more of an explanation about Manny's hole, I highly recommend the Nerdy Show episode Manny's Hole Fundamentals. You can't miss it, just search Manny's Hole. You'll also find some videos of some pro Manny's hole players doing their thing. Uh just putting some mayonnaise in some hole. Good American, clean fun. So yeah, I'm under the impression that Camp Fangamer uh number three was totally awesome. And hole was played. Nice. But uh, beyond and, that, I don't know.
4: And talking about weird sports, uh, actually, yesterday I watched the Overwatch finals. Oh, what's uh, that like? The Overwatch League World Championship or Cup or whatever. I don't know. It was interesting because what struck me as odd is the the two en- ending teams were it was the Philadelphia team versus the London team, and the Philadelphia team had people from like a bunch of different countries on the team. Which I thought was weird at first. Well, yeah. Like, I I guess they run it like a professional team. Yeah. And they can hire the best players that they can attract from wherever. That seems Uh,
2: like major
4: bullshit. It does seem like major bullshit. And I was saying the same thing. I was like, because I was watching it with uh, Chan Sterling from Derpy Show. And I was like, well, why do you care about the Florida team then if it's a bunch of people that aren't from Florida? Like, who? Because people in Florida. Maybe paid
0: money to get those people from somewhere else to play for us, god damn it. That, yeah. But, wait, hold uh, on. I don't that,
2: understand. You're,
4: you're, but you, but th- the London that's wait how wait, wait, wait. Professional wait, wait, wait.
3: sports works that way.
4: It's well, I don't like professional sports either, so I, I could be world, equally outraged. Why
3: would you do that? Like
2: why not have Team Tiger and Team Shark or something and they have nothing to do with geographical. Yeah, what,
0: why why have cities? That's a good point. Why are esports beholden to the bullshit of meat
4: space? Without because they slept sport doing on doing the beholding. Yeah. But anyway, the London team was 100 percent Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And as uh, as as you you would predict, if you know anything about Koreans playing video games, they I only know one thing destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> they destroyed Philadelphia. Like I think they were prepared to play between five and six matches, and by the third one, it was completely over. <sighs> just completely, like they just stomped them every single time. Uh, so it was over uh, after. A very short period of time compared to how long we were prepared to watch this final game.
3: You you you're, you're sounding a lot like an actual sports fan, from like oh they get all these people from other countries playing for our team, <laughs> and then you're like and then when I got the pay per view boxing event, it was over in three rounds. What the hell? I, it wasn't even a, like I, I spent the time to sit down and watch it. And it's over too quick. Did not even get a good fight? Every
0: like, system is flawed. We got to burn it all down. <laughs> see,
4: I don't. I'm not a fan of that and i i sort of had to just watch because other people were watching cuz i do view it as like well why would i watch that when i can just go play overwatch they could have fun yep. you, could, you could personally yeah have i fun. could go play overwatch why why would i watch somebody you else could, play overwatch cuz I, I don't say, understand like getting sp- team spirit or hmm. location the only reason spirit why i do
2: it is to see what the fucking nutjobs do for yeah, planning and strategy yeah i mean
4: i never got high school spirit or Teen team spirit you, you, yeah you name it I have never felt spirit Halloween any of that kind of spirit. So, I, yeah, I don't personally understand it. But I'm <laughs> just there, reporting uh, on the phrases? news and what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: Doug, why don't you hit us with that Mission Impossible review? Full disclosure, I've seen Mission Impossible 1. Uh-huh. I saw Mission Impossible Two in uh-huh. the theaters, except for the last five minutes because the power went out.
3: Oh no! You missed like the best part. I saw of the, the doves, and then power went out. No! You missed like the best part. Wait, that shitty movie would be redeemed by the the part I missed. I don't know about redeemed, but it certainly would be a hell of a lot more fun and like a great topper for the end of that. You know. Beyond that, I've been curious about all films following that. I've yeah. been told
0: they're extremely good. I. Love Philip Seymour Hoffman, though he's led me astray many times. Um, but I hear this is the one to see him in Mission Impossible Three. Yeah. But I haven't seen any of them until I saw Rogue Nation. Yeah. this uh, This past weekend, so and that was great.
3: Yeah. Well, if you liked Rogue Nation, you need to see Fallout because it's kind of a direct sequel. I hear it's the most direct sequel of all of, of any the, of them. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much all of them are pretty disparate. Like they don't have much in common other than Ethan Hunt and uh, Luther, which is played by Ving Rhames. Uh, Simon Pegg shows up in the third movie, and then he's like part of the team. Anyway, the spoiler free review is that if you've ever liked any Mission Impossible movie, you're probably going to really like this one because there's a lot of, I don't want to say references because that makes it sound too fan like catering or whatever, you uh-huh. know? Pandering. Uh, pandering. Yeah. It sounds a little too fan pandering to say that, oh, yeah, there's references to other films. It's not that. It really is. In a weird way, it almost feels like the final Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie. They've made no announcement of it being like his last one or anything like that. But the way, like, I guess it's in the name Fallout, like, you know how, okay, you know how, like, for the advertisements for the James Bond film Spectre, Christoph Waltz was like, it was me, James, the author of All Your Pain, and I'm the reason why. And you're like, oh, shit, this is going to, like, tie everything together. And it totally didn't, and it was just, eh. This And it, act- was, it was the plot of Goldmember, but it was a James Bond film. Yeah. And, Weird. um, whereas this is kind of actually doing that and succeeding, where it's, like, criminals from the first Mission Impossible had influence on this and so on and so on and it's all tied up in this big web with the bad guys called the syndicate and uh and ethan hunt has gotta stop a, a crazy thing from happening and in true mission impossible fashion you're watching it, you're like this could never in a million years ever happen but goddammit, it this is this is fantastic i'm so used to seeing sad bond movies <laughs> that i forget like how fun an espionage movie can be you know like it's it it, it, it Pretty quickly, like before the opening credits begin, it reminds you: no, no, this is Mission Impossible. Like we're gonna have a fun time. Like it's it's gonna be good. So definitely recommend seeing it if you've ever liked any of the other films. If you've never seen a Mission Impossible film before, don't let that dissuade you. You don't have to have seen the other ones because it's just a new mission, you know. Um, but no, it was it was good. And uh,
0: there, there's some crazy action sequences in this. Yeah,
3: I don't want to talk about them in 2D because the spoilers. It's it's. it's but just but really I hear, good. heard
0: Tom Cruise went to like virtually space.
3: Basically, like, the upper atmosphere to an, to an yeah, extent of... he like, they literally took him... He did, like, a halo jump for the movie. Hmm. He
2: didn't do a halo jump. He did a whole shit ton of them because yeah. it would, had to be at sunset or something. And yeah. so they just kept he doing did. them over and over again.
3: Yeah, he did, like, over 100 uh, parachute jumps to train. And then he also got a helicopter pilot's license and got, like, a crazy amount of flying hours that he's basically almost, like, a master pilot now. I don't know how the hour system, like, works. <laughs> but he, no joke, like, he actually... Is like a professional, skilled level helicopter pilot now. It's weird.
0: Really charming how much he gets off on being like an ultimate human being. Like he's he's clearly like he trains and he conditions himself to do insane things because he wants to. He wants to delight movie going audiences, but also like for himself to be like I'm done. I'm I'm the best. I'm Tom fucking Cruise. Yeah. I watched some behind the scenes features for uh, Rogue Nation, the prior film, and there's a sequence where he's got a he's underwater. He's in basically like like an enclosed like cyclotron thing a really strange premise actually but it's cool they did not need to film that underwater at all they totally could have faked it but they did yeah and tom cruise and his co-star for that scene like they're literally holding their breath the entire time they were trained to hold their breath for at least three minutes at a time by like some kind of professional guy yeah some professional amphibian
3: (laughs) kermit the frog actually this is the part
4: where you breathe through your skin (laughs) he's a ridiculous man
3: and and seeing the stunts that they do in this New movie, I'm like, I think I finally figured it out. Tom Cruise wants to die doing a stunt for a Mission Impossible movie. They always save the stunts for the end of filming. So the whole movie's going to be completed. All the dialogue scenes, nothing that you have to necessarily reshoot. He just wants to die on a Mission Impossible film shoot. And that'll make it like he'll go out in a blaze of glory you'll never have to see him age cuz he just wants to be this mm. like action star you know and he'll always be remembered as the guy who was so dedicated he died doing the most amazing stunts and he'll be like up there in the ranks of—I mean, I don't think he is right now—but people will. I think he thinks that people, if he dies doing a stunt, people are going to put him on the same rank of like Jackie Chan, of like, <laughs> like oh, one of the greatest stuntmen actors ever, you know. But um he's
4: always going to be the guy jumping on Oprah's couch to me. <laughs> that was the greatest stunt ever. <laughs> it
3: was a publicity stunt, but it was a stunt nonetheless. <laughs> Yeah.
2: He actually got an injury on this one too. I think they had to yeah. stop filming for like 8 weeks or something. Yeah. Bro- he broke, broke he
3: broke his ankle. Um and they kept the the, the take where he is breaks his ankle the film. is the one in the film. Like he yeah.
1: Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu Original Limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? Right.
3: jumps he lands on the side of the building and you see like this pained expression on his face but he quickly climbs up and he you literally see him <laughs> hobble away but then it quickly cuts before you get too much hobbling where you're like oh that was a hard hit and then the next shot he's running you're like oh he just must have shaken it off but in reality when he hobbled off camera as soon as he got off frame he fell to the ground <laughs> like because he had literally like broken his ankle wow. and they're like nope can't film for another eight weeks thanks tom <laughs> Yeah, so he really skydives, he really flies the helicopter and we're in a great chase scene. He really breaks his ankle jumping off of a rooftop, really goes on foot through the streets of Paris. They crash what? cars. What? How did they
4: how did they do that? I,
3: they they went to Paris, believe it what? or not. What? Oh my god. Crazy. Yeah. This what is kind like of what, budget do they have? A big <laughs> they one. just CG everything? No. And that's the thing. It's like what Bond films used to be <laughs> where you like you, you see exotic locations where they actually found interesting places to film scenes, even dialogue scenes. They're not just in a warehouse. They're like, so you're saying they actually take cameras and go
2: places. <laughs> yeah. On,
3: on earth. Yeah. Like how crazy is that?
2: I've
4: never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. So I, I clearly
3: enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. If you're an action fan or mission Impossible fan, I know Tom Cruise is a crazy human being, but I'll be damned if he doesn't make an entertaining movie. Yeah. <laughs> Right
0: on. Well, since we've been talking about filming things on Earth, let's talk about let's talk about something other than Earth for a little bit. Let's talk about Martian water. Mm. John, I got a lot of questions. I only found out this happened yesterday
2: mean, like how we're going to get the rights to put that in a bottle.
4: Well, no, listen, Nestle already has the rights and they're planning to have their bottling plant on Mars within uh, like five years, I believe, was their target.
3: See, all you got to do is convince Chris McCrory and Tom Cruise to film the next Mission Impossible set piece on Mars. Mm -hmm. That's how we get there first, because Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. isn't going to settle for faking Mars at this point. That's true.
0: That's very true. Uh, I mean, he already halfway yeah. went to space, so he's gonna go all the way next time. I, I, and besides that, you know, you can't you can't necessarily. It's gonna be hard for him to break his bones in zero gravity. So. Mission Impossible Seven:
3: Mission to Mars. Oh <laughs> like, shit! <laughs> <laughs> that's the way. After, and after you see the movie, you, there's nowhere else to go. You can't. There's nothing left on Earth. You gotta. Yeah, <laughs> the only place to go true. is space.
0: So, um, my understanding of this, and I'm hoping, that, John, that you can fill in the blanks. You are a sci-tech correspondent, after all. Is that a subterranean lake of water was found on Mars? That is literally all I know. I have. I haven't had a chance to look into it yet tell me everything
2: oh well basically they've been analyzing data for you know years and years and years now from one of the satellites but they didn't have enough data from the south pole specifically to be able to make sure that they were seeing what they were seeing so you know can you prove it 100 percent? no but right now the data is looking really really like it's way more likely that it's water than not so there's a whole shit ton of ice at the south pole uh-huh and As best as they can tell, based on the bounce back from their signal, there is a, I think it was something like seven miles in diameter or something of liquid water a mile down underneath it.
0: So underneath the surface of the pole, like underneath the glacier? Underneath
2: the frozen ice that was on top of it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And how were they able to detect this? What were they bombarding the planet with to find something underneath all of that?
2: electromagnetism is like low frequency so I'm guessing it's somewhere in the lower band of radio waves as I lean back and look at my uh, radio wave chart (laughs) (laughs) you know they just are always like oh low frequency it's like oh okay so radio wave but like what how low like how low are you going is it something magical how how low uh, can you go John (laughs) I I don't know I mean that's probably actually a really exciting part of physics that I know very little about (laughs) (laughs) I do know, however, that they also like to go very high frequency, and they'd love to be able to do, like, x-ray lasers and things, and I'm pretty sure they actually just started the. um, Well, I mean,
0: liquid water can generally equal microorganisms.
2: It could, and that winds up being the whole point. Obviously, like, there's almost no way for us to actually conclusive, 100% test that without, you know, digging through a mile of ice.
0: And violating the sanctum of the subterranean Martians.
2: Well, on the other hand, it's not the first time that we've actually done something like that, but we did it on Earth because there was a underwater glacial something over here just a couple of years back now. But the whole point is, is that that body of water had been sealed away effectively in the bottom of like permafrost or something for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years or something here on Earth hmm. So, I mean, they had to to make sure that they didn't accidentally contaminate it. They had to do all this crazy protocols and slowly ease in, make sure that they, you know, had all this stuff in place. And doing that on Mars is going to be very interesting. But a uh, good thing we have a, a crazy space billionaire who wants to, uh, you know, also dig in the dirt. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, if what conversations have been had in, in public about possibilities for exploring this i mean are there any at this moment or are we just gonna have to wait hundreds of years to get to that point
2: well we're going to have to wait at least you know 50 years i'd say probably but yeah
3: well all right when but when when do we have the conversation about the ethics of drilling on another planet to potentially find life that is certainly not ours
2: well i mean in many ways we've already done that everything that we send over there we basically quarantine and sterilize as much as we can and even still, there's always that risk that there's going to be a microbe that somehow manages to survive a six-month trip through space sure, to yeah. Mars. But yeah, I mean, like I had said before, even on Earth, we were actually having to do heavy-duty protocols to ensure you know, that we weren't contaminating our own primordial ecosystem there so that it was of value to us. I mean, obviously, we weren't dealing with like theoretical Martian rights there, but you know, who knows, right?
4: <laughs> like, yeah, I think, Doug, were you going more the prime directive route?
3: A, a little bit, like just the the bigger question of, let's just say we send a satellite there, and f- however they do it, they figure out yes, there is microbial
4: life. Well, as the resident Prime Directive expert, we're pre warp culture, so the Prime Directive would not apply to us. Sure, we nice. Can, yeah. We can actually go ahead and meddle with anything we want. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I just mean in, in uh in the real world, Um but what. <laughs> Uh, excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> at what point do we, I, I cause I, I don't have a, an opinion one way or the other. I'm just curious as to when are those conversations going to start where it's like, okay, we've confirmed it. Microbial life on Mars. It's there. It exists. It's in the liquid water. What do we do now? And at that point, people are going to start saying, well, well, let's just go over there and dig some up. Like let's examine them. But the other people are going to say, no, we got to leave it alone. Cause it's, it's, it'd be interfering with natural life progression on another planet. I'm fascinated by that conversation. Although I, I don't even know what side I would fall on. The
2: answer to that is, as per usual, go over there and dig them up and put them in a lab.
3: Pretty. That's probably. I mean, let's realistically speaking, that's that's probably exactly what'll wind up happening. No doubt. Well, (laughs) I think
4: the easiest answer is that the consequences wouldn't be shown fully for probably millions of years. Well, you'd
3: never know what the consequences are because you've you've, exactly,
4: Doug. Who cares? (laughs) Look, if if that's how we're going to treat our own environment, that's how we're going to treat Mars's environment. That's, you know, case closed. We don't care.
0: Not our problem. I mean, you know, ideally we'll get to a a, a utopian society and we can send in like very unobtrusive drones and uh, make first contact uh, you know, remotely if such a thing is possible, but
3: uh, I, I guess I guess the, the the deeper question that I try to understand what what society would think is we're more advanced, therefore we don't care, you know, or is it, or will there be a loud enough supportive voices saying, you know what, nah, let's leave it for the Martians to, to do their own thing, even mm-hmm. though they're microbes, like, let's just sort of leave them alone and we'll find, we'll, we'll go to Venus instead. I, I mean, again, I'm not, I don't really have the opinion, I don't really share that opinion, but I, I wonder how many people would eventually get that when they know for a fact that there's life on Mars. Like, how will it change the public consciousness? Right. If, if it's a like,
2: bacteria absolutely not if it was yeah. something that was actually capable of perceiving pain then that would still be something yeah. that would be bottled and sold as pets yeah. um, like a little martian shrimp for a, a ludicrous profit <laughs> yeah
3: if it's like a little martian shrimp or like a krill
2: but there would also definitely be conservation efforts and there would also definitely be studying
0: well while that particular drink is very much hard to get and super off limits there is a rare drink that is definitely closer in reach for us <laughs> Uh, And That is that that, um, very recently, a black granite sarcophagus was unearthed in Alexandria, Egypt. It's dated somewhere around 332 BC. And there were rumors of a curse, but the coffin was open and inside. The biggest surprise was how dry these bones weren't. It's uh, three skeletons, one sarcophagus, and plenty uh, of rank in their collective spank bank. It's a big red puddle of liquid described as sewage. So three skeletons in a red-brown soup. Now, the bones are said to be soldiers. Research is still ongoing. Like, no one knows even if there's artifacts to be found with the bone. Perhaps the artifacts, if there were any, were dissolved in the liquid. TBD. we got some researchers on the case over at the BBC. But a brave soul named Ennis McKendrick, who happens to be one of the games designers for No Man's Sky, started a change.org petition called Let the People Drink the Red Liquid from the Dark Sarcophagus. And uh, in an interview, McKendrick said this discovery allows us all to picture a brighter, more optimistic future in which the earth is blighted, torn apart and consumed piece by piece at the hands of furious, immortal Egyptian gods. My expectation is that by brewing the cursed red liquid from the black sarcophagus into a carbonated, high caffeine energy drink, we will not only be able to harness the greatest power source in its purest form, but develop a mass market product which looks and tastes great too. I imagine it will taste similar to most skeleton derived soft drinks available at all good supermarkets today. This petition has, as of this episode's recording, 29,000 signatures. But he is trolling, right? Well, I don't know because there was an update, petition update titled Importenin. He said, Please stop trying to tell me the skeleton juice is uh, mostly sewage. That's impossible. Everyone knows skeletons cannot poop. So, I mean, people are, people are against it, but some people are for it. This, this reeks of trolling. Oh, it'll reek. Yeah. But it'll reek even more if we don't get to taste the savory red juice. Um, <laughs> upon getting 10,000 signatures, Innes said, Thank you so much for all your deep and personal reasons for wanting to drink the cursed mummy milkshake. I
3: swear I will keep fighting to allow you to sup. Yeah, no, he's definitely trolling. I, after the Cursed mummy milkshake, then yeah, I, I think that seals it.
0: I was curious about um, these personal reasons that uh, people were citing, so I, I looked up some in the comments for the um, petition. Eat Dick said, uh, dude, come on. It's literally probably ancient red wine, and we all know that wine gets better with age. Like, come on. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Big Nibba said, I love thick man juice. <laughs> Frederica Rosante said, I've always wanted to become a lich and stuff like that. Seems like a good path for that. Caleb McMahon said, "Yo, get this liquid inside me so the skeleton inside me can be outside me." <laughs> 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 Zev Spencer Shapiro said, "Bro, I just want to die, Tbh." Wow.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, Heath Rhodes said, "This is the only way I can level up, assuming it works like Dark Souls." <laughs> Noise. So, uh, what do you think? Are you folks for it? Why, why do you want to drink the red, the red juice? I'm
4: anti-drinking red juice. Yeah, yeah. me too. Why
0: is that? Please elaborate.
4: See, I thought that the uh, the black sarcophagus. I was convinced that it was a Goa'uld. Is that what now? A Goa'uld. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a system lord that was in there and yeah, he's pop, talking, he's popping, popping it open. They were going to be perfectly fine, and they were going to try to take over the world and and open you know get to Cheyenne Mountain and well, I mean, gate unfortunately, off the planet. You know, the
2: sarcophagus was just you know stone and not a regenerative one with the fancy shiny symbols on yeah. it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it definitely wasn't a normal sarcophagus.
2: And they also found out that that weird alien baby is actually just a human baby that was, you know, aborted effectively a millennia ago.
0: I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, let's let's thank our supporters. Hey, this entire <laughs> network is made possible by you fine folks. We are listener supported. Yes, there are there may be some incidental ads from time to time, but they don't rake in half the cash that we need to keep the lights on that light keeping on. Well, that is all in your hands we are a cottage industry recording in a bedroom that's been resplendently fashioned by equipment thanks to your generous contributions. But beyond that, oh, we're living month to month and we need your help to continue living month to month in this wonderful millennial lifestyle that we live. So please join us at patreon.com slash nerdy show. Anything you give even a dollar makes a big difference. And we have all kinds of perks available. In fact, at a dollar, you get early releases. If we have something early to share, you get it. And also, Hours upon hours of bonus content. Even more bonus content awaits you at $5 or more, but hey, don't take my word for it. You can also support us by shopping via our Amazon links, which is always a good thing to do. Nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. I mean, okay, so it's a good thing to do for us. Amazon, I I don't have strong feelings towards the company. You might say I have bad feelings towards the company, but if you're going to shop on our... Overlord's website anyway, then um, you might as well use our links. I don't know. Basically, fuck Amazon, but also <laughs> shop for your Amazon links. It's this is the
3: modern world is difficult. Do I take a stand or as a small business? Do we, I we know take we, advantage of the convenience? I don't know. No, it's okay to not like Amazon, but you know that certain things you can only get on Amazon, and people are going to use the links, and it's because it's if because you must taken over. Yeah, if you if, must, if you can you're gonna, also support nerdy shit. Yeah, if you're going to go support a big giant company. With literally no extra money, you can support little people like us.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's the thing. Do that thing. And if you want to support us but don't want to do things that involve money in any which way, then please do leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or Podchaser. That is a big, big help for us. Um, especially the uh, the Apple Podcasts reviews. Those make sure that if we get enough of them, we can get greater exposure, which means more people can listen to Nerdy Show, more people can support us, we can continue to make more podcasts. A lot of people these days have been asking about Call of Cthulhu Season 2, our tabletop role-playing audio drama. That is forthcoming, projected for October, ideally. Still hard at work on that sucker, but uh, preliminary editing is done, and uh, now we just have to do all the sound design, which is not necessarily the easy part. But anyway, so... It's coming along. We don't even know how many episodes it's going to be yet, but we got uh we got a little bit of time to get it done in. So that's that's an update for that. We have some new Patreon supporters that I want to shout out. Please welcome Amanda Simmons. Everyone, please welcome Amanda Woo! Simmons. Woo! Welcome, Kyle Patrick. Welcome, Yay, Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> and last, but definitely not least, Jeffrey Lee. Jeffrey Lee, what up, Jeff? Welcome to the party, Jeff. We also want to give a shout out to Kutsu Shida, who gives us a generous one-time donation of 50 bucks. That's a big, big, big thing you Damn. do. You can give us a one-time donation if, you know, for whatever reason, you're like, I don't know about this Patreon thing. That's cool. We will send you perks in the mail, different perks, perks that patrons have access to, but not all of the perks, just some of the perks. You can go to nerdyshow.com support to do that. And also we have a reoccurring thing that Jeffrey McSorley would like us to say because people donating on Patreon at $10 or more get shout outs. Why, do you have old shirts? Shirts that are nerdy but have holes in them? Or simply are too stretched out from wearing them over the last one, two, or even five years? Well, boy, howdy, do I have a suggestion for you. Toss out your old crummy clothes or donate them to a thrift store and replace them with gin genuine Nerdy Show t-shirts. Yes, you heard me right. You too can replace your faded Mario or Game of Thrones tees with the lights of your favorite Nerdy Show Network show show support for nerdy show to your friends or just get a peek a thor and astound all around you with its glory so go ahead eliminate the ragged shirts of yesteryear replace your wardrobe with all the shirts that nerdy show has to offer just follow the links at nerdyshow.com/store thanks jeffrey and thank you for listening and we're not done yet there's like a lot of trailers at san diego comic con anybody else watch some some movie trailers in the wake of that sucker. I, I I
4: feel like I did, but I can't remember anything specific.
0: Yeah,
3: I feel like I didn't see any of them. Because, really? Because uh, I've stopped caring. <laughs> like, oh, for th- like uh, like if it's if it's the superhero movie that I'm interested in seeing, I'm going to see it eventually anyway. Who said anything
0: about superheroes? I mean, sure, there were some.
3: I know that there was. It, was, it, was it the Godzilla one came out? That Godzilla two. Yeah, you, you didn't check that out. I did see. I did see that one, but not because of Comic Con. It was just like on YouTube, it was like recommended new trailer. I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. And it looks like Charles Dance is, is playing his guy from Game of Thrones. And it looks like Eleven from Stranger Things is playing Eleven. Godzilla's playing himself. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> I, I will say the
0: human end of the spectrum is a little bit pandering at best, to use uh, the word again. But, oh, my God, did you see Mothra? Mothra's so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs>
3: Mothra looked cool and, you know, other giant monsters. I, the first Godzilla reboot thing with Brian Cranston was like we've had this discussion before. It like time and time again. It legitimately got me scared about Godzilla I'm like oh no like he's gonna crush that town. This is terrifying. This is what it would feel like if Godzilla really like existed. And then the tone shifted way too much for me. And now it's like I see the sequel and the trailer the tone of the trailer did not sell me. I'm not saying I'm going to avoid seeing it. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I need to see more before I get excited. That's fair. But what about Castlevania season two? Did you
0: see that trailer? I didn't see oh, I that didn't trailer. Know there was a trailer. Oh, I, there is. I don't need to see the trailer. I'm waiting to see that <laughs> shit.
3: I'm ready today to watch that. You don't need to tell me <laughs> anything. I don't want to know anything. I just want to go in blind and, and let's just enjoy it. Well, I'll
0: tell you this it looks dope. I can't wait. More Castlevania forthcoming. Lots of a Everyone's going to have a real bad time. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And Young Justice season three, that trailer dropped. Okay. Kind of a weird trailer. Like over half of it was a recap of what happened before. Hmm. And then it you know gives you a sense of what's what's coming. But it was like, um, it's very much like, hey, if you're invested in Young Justice, here's what you want to see. Here's some like emotional drama. But I felt like it's definitely not going to hook anyone who's outside of the Young Justice bubble. I don't Hashtag
3: sp- Young Justice saved.
0: <laughs> More on that in State of the Empire. Check out our recent episode where we talk about the announcement of Clone Wars. But in terms of superhero stuff, there was an Aquaman trailer and the designs for the underwater world do look pretty cool, Aquaman. I don't know if I, I don't know if I care, but I'll celebrate some good, some good uh, designs in this live-action animated feature that they call a superhero movie. <laughs> but did you see this trailer for Shazam? Oh yes,
4: I did. It looks uh, amazing.
3: I saw it on mute in a Facebook feed. You should turn that sound on, Doug.
0: You fucked up. Cause Shazam is my jam. It looks so good. It's the opposite of all other DC Universe films. The polar opposite. It looks joyful and fun (laughs) meaning it looks like a marvel movie almost (laughs) it's very much based on jeff john's recent reinterpretation of the character of captain marvel this is dc's captain marvel as opposed to marvel's captain marvel who is getting a film later on yeah that really confused
4: me for a while i didn't realize that there was a captain marvel in both
0: well, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, the character's called Captain Marvel. There's also Captain Marvel Jr. and Mary Marvel. A bunch of characters. It's an old comic. It's a pre-DC comic book. And that's, you know, got folded up into the various comic book licenses that they acquired over the years. And it's had many interpretations, and some of them have been awesome. There's a great standalone story by Jeff Smith, the guy who did Bone. He wrote and drew a standalone Shazam story. But yeah, so, th- so these days, they call the character Shazam because, oh my God, the confusion of DC having a character called Captain Marvel, never mind the fact that Captain Marvel is kind of a big deal in Marvel's world now, much more yeah. than she's been or he's been, depending
3: on incarnations in the past. Hmm. Yeah, but say isn't Shazam the name of the wizard? Yes. Yeah. But in the movie is are they calling Billy's superhero persona Shazam? Or are they calling him Captain Marvel? I believe they're gonna call him Shazam. Okay. Well, you know, at least that makes it simple. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna do it, but I really wanna see Henry Cavill Superman in Shazam <laughs> like and to, and to do that that scene where he Shazam's back out and he's just he's like look I'm just a kid you know I don't know what I'm doing and then Superman just stares at him and says who did this to you and then <laughs> has that, have you seen that comic panel no oh my gosh Okay, so,
0: so let's back up a little bit if you're not familiar with Captain Marvel Captain Marvel is a young boy who says the word Shazam and a lightning bolt hits him and he turns into a full-grown man. Yeah. This has been an interesting plot point over the years because in certain incarnations... Well, a
4: full-grown man with superpowers.
0: Yes, full-grown man with superpowers. It's not just like... It's not uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was say,
3: it's like Tom Hanks big, but what if instead of just becoming Tom Hanks, you became Tom Hanks and you had the powers of Superman? It's basically...
0: Basically that. Um, so the thing is, in some incarnations, he's on the Justice League and only certain members of the Justice League actually know his secret, that he's that, a little yeah. boy. Yeah. Which is a pretty wonderful foil, because you know Batman figures that shit out immediately. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. So anyway, yes, if they choose to to make this a bigger DC universe with Shazam and it if Shazam becomes an integral part of whatever the fuck they end up doing with that hot mess that is the DC cinematic
3: universe, it'll be cool. But what were you talking about, Doug? There's a I don't I don't know what issue it was from. I don't even know the full context. <sighs> Back when like Man of Steel came out, everyone's like, that's not how Superman behaves. And they like, here's an example of Superman behaving like real Superman. And it was this panel where Superman and Shazam, or aka Captain Marvel, are like fighting or there's a disagreement or whatever. And he just says, no, wait, Superman, don't hurt me. Like they've been fighting for a while. And he's like, look, I look, I'll just tell you. And he just, Shazam! And he zaps back to being a kid. And he's like, look, I'm just a kid. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. You got to help me or whatever. And Superman gets this very serious angry look on his face and he says, who did this to you? <laughs> and then it cut to the wizard Shazam sitting in his like fucking wizard hole, wherever he is. Like wizard his, hole? Yeah, whatever it is.
0: <laughs> uh, I ain't know a thing or two about wizard <laughs>
2: holes, believe I've me. Heard of, I've heard
3: of the old wizard sleeve. but His okay. hideout, yeah. Superman <laughs> like, this is a very special hole and it's tender on account of all the <laughs> hot wings I
1: ate.
3: <laughs> Superman basically confronts Shazam the wizard wizard and is pissed and is just like lays like the like the logical smackdown on him where it's like you gave the supreme ultimate power to a child like you have ruined his childhood like he cannot be a fully functioning adult because of what you've done and you've robbed him and you are sick and wrong and like lays into him so good and then it carries on after that he's like i'm gonna look after him and i'm gonna try and help him in the way that you never could because you're stupid and then like he as Clark Kent goes and finds Billy, and there's just like, "Hey kid, um, let me talk to you for a little bit." Blah 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 blah. And he like takes him to like this diner, and he's like buying him food, and he's talking to him, and he's just sort of hinting that he may understand what he's going through. And then eventually, he reveals that he is Superman, and he's like, "Look, I know what it's like to have a secret identity. I know what it's like where you just basically like they have so much in common." But Billy didn't have like an actual mentor, so Superman offers to become his mentor, and I'm like, "That is a fucking movie." That needs to happen like so bad because these two like would be such a great team, and there's so much that can be said about that. That sounds amazing. It's one, yeah, it is truly one of the most Superman moments for me that I've seen in any movie, cartoon, comic, anything.
0: Check out the Shazam trailer. I'm really legit excited for that. I've never been excited for a DC movie in recent history like I am for this thing. There's also um, an Invader Zim trailer for the Invader Zim film, Enter the Florpus. I heard about that, but I haven't watched it yet. It's a weird damn trailer. It's long, and there's no audio from the characters. It's just music and scenes and stuff, and I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Huh. But I remain pretty optimistic about it because the Jonan Vasquez penned Invader Zim comics were like just more of the show and like still felt relevant even reading it as an adult. So I imagine I'm going to dig the hell out of this when it happens. Yeah.
4: I could always deal with more Zim and Gur in my life. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the new Ninja Turtles show, I actually don't know when it starts, but they released the entire first episode. I, I watched it on Facebook. I don't know. It's probably on YouTube as well. This is Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the one that's caused a, a great kerfuffle by um, virtue of the turtles are all different kinds of turtles. And Raphael is a hulking snapping turtle and is also the leader of the group. No one really likes the designs, and I don't either. But, you know, I wanted to give the show a fair shot, see what it was like. And, and it's also weird that Nickelodeon, um, you know, they owned the Turtles lock, stock, and barrel. So they just ended what was a very successful and very well-loved incarnation of the Turtles and then boom, switch styles entirely, reboot everything, go in this completely different direction. It's a weird move to not give a franchise like any kind of downtime, especially when you're flipping the script that much. And I've been talking about this a lot lately since this dropped with various people. And thinking about, like, you know, why, why would they choose to do this? Why does this make the most sense to them as business people? And I guess what I've come up with is that it seems like, in their minds, they can market this property to a certain age demographic. And at the point where that age demographic gets older, they assume that that demographic isn't following along with the stories that have happened in the past. Therefore, they need to reinvent it from scratch every five years. Huh. That's the best I can gather. Because, like, you will remember that Legend of Korra, a very popular show, they unceremoniously like shuffled it over so it was only online they didn't like it was it was a primetime show but even then they weren't particularly interested in it they i believe and i could be wrong about this and if anyone knows anything to the contrary please do let me know but i just i just feel like it's very it's very much based around the advertising sales that nickelodeon as a network typically makes and if at any point the demographic of a show tends to skew older because older people are watching the show all of a sudden or because they themselves have gotten older it becomes less interesting for them to continue that show, whether it's popular or not. And they just don't, they don't have a platform for it. It can't move anywhere. Hmm, I mean,
2: that really kind of makes sense because otherwise they'd have to be shifting what they were selling product wise, advertising wise, etc. figures, maybe not anymore, maybe more figurines, like all this kind of stuff around. So it is a kind of weird problem. I mean, part of it has to do with how we, relate to children though i guess right like Mm. what we expect children to want or not want and i mean some shows of course have actually grown up with their audiences i mean the harry potter films just get progressively darker and darker and darker and they just monetize everything and you and you look at that though
0: like and that is such a successful thing it's it basically says like okay so start reading this when you're a child otherwise you know depending on your constitution it may or may not be interesting or stimulating to you and then it'll grow with you and by the time you have money to spend on it, you're going to spend a bunch of fucking money at Universal Studios. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe on your children then, spend money on them. And it, creates, it has created a self-perpetuating money spending cycle because it grows with the audience, which is an interesting tactic and obviously a tactic not every franchise can do. And there's Ninja Turtles for every age bracket, but most of them exist in comic books. Anyway, as far as the the new episode, I actually thought the art style worked pretty well in motion. The turtles themselves, not so much, but the rest of the world is very like sort of like graffiti inspired. It's very stylized and very fun and very, well, I'd love to say it was very fluid. It could be very fluid. There's enough exciting stuff happening in the frames, but its frame rate sucks. Huh? Like there's just not, they just just didn't give them enough money. It's a 2D show. The last one was a 3D show. All the in-betweens are really good but they don't have the money to unite them with fluid animation to get them from point A to point B, which is a real shame. April's wonderful. She was a teenager in the previous iteration of Turtles. She's a teenager this time. She's black this time, and she's just got a good vibe to her in general. She's like, she's in there in the adventures as much as the rest of the guys are, which is kind of even the last one sort of been a problem. April was a damsel more often than not. And this April is just getting into trouble in a good way. Leo is not the leader anymore, so who is he as a character? And I think they're still figuring it out, but he's got this cocky kind of like anime guy with the sword vibe to him, which I think actually really, really works. It Mm. makes Leo a very likable character, cracking jokes, being kind of like smug
4: and thinks he's more charming than he is. The only problem I've ever had with Leonardo, at least in the cartoon iterations, and, and I guess the movies too, is that he has two swords with him all the time Yeah, and he never cuts anything. He cuts robots. He can cut robots. Yeah, he'll cut robots, but when they fight anything else, like, what is he doing? Yeah, he'll swing at them, but he never really cuts anybody. Yeah. He's just I mean, the defending. Other, the He's other turtles have weapons that you can be like, oh, well, you hit him with a stick. You can't
0: see that wound. Right. <laughs> Ironically, it was Michelangelo who had his weapons edited out in the UK version because nunchucks were considered such a violent weapon that uh, they they cut around all of his nunchuck scenes and also the word ninja was too dangerous a word. So the original Ninja Turtles was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles and Michelangelo did not have nunchucks. He had ice cream cones. Well, (laughs) I don't recall if they edited like something in or not, but I know eventually they changed his nunchucks to a grappling hook, which is kind of funny because they've actually done that in this one.
4: Weird.
3: Oh, the, this is like yo-yo thing or whatever? It
0: I forget what it's called. It is an actual Japanese weapon. It's like a, a, a sort of it looks like a magic wand, but it's a stick that has like a you know a chain in it and like a ball with blades on it. But the way it's drawn looks terrible. It looks like a nonsense child drawing. Right off the bat, the turtles go to a magical world underneath between the lines of New York City. And there they find a bunch of magic weapons after their regular weapons get destroyed. And that's what they have now. They have these glowing magic power weapons. Donatello continues to use his, like, staff that he's built, this titanium staff with a rocket in it that lets him do rocket spins. It's definitely more cartoony than most turtles. And it's not necessarily no, bad. like an
2: Overwatch character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding.
0: It's not necessarily bad, but I think, like, obviously, after all these years, they should continue changing and diversifying what happens with Turtles. And the voice cast is very good. I should also add, but there's aesthetically, there's just a weird vibe to it, and the the villains are clearly going to come from this magical world where this dude's making this kind of like magic experiment. It's not really described yet, but a thing with mutagen with mosquitoes that suck up mutagen and then all these mosquitoes get unleashed on New York City at the end of the episode. So that's going to be like a progressive problem. I guess it's where other mutations will come from. And there's an implication that perhaps the turtle and splinters in this version there, their mutation came from like they were failed experiments of his that escaped or something. And that's fine. Like turtles have a magical component to their science fantasy reality. I just think it was just a weird vibe. It was a lot to start
3: with. I mean, was it wasn't really magic magic or was it just sort of you know like i said, there's different versions where it's mostly just like pulp science
0: well i mean this is where the kind of magic where you draw a symbol onto a flat wall and then a portal opens and you walk into it
3: right but i'm saying we haven't really seen that
0: before like that level of magic yes
2: we well have. yeah tmnt3 had literal time travel in it <laughs> and not, not to oh, mention that's a very good point, like yeah.
0: The 2003 cartoon, the most recent Nickelodeon cartoon, all of which have had actual magic in it. Eventually,
2: because yeah. I've seen a bunch I mean, of it, but I I've feel never like seen they that. just shouldn't even have magic in it ever, because like sci-fi can give you enough shit. But right,
0: um, well, I I disagree with that. Just because I mean, the turtles are as much of a science fantasy universe as DC or Marvel comics, so there's there's room for it. But I think it needs to be done tactfully because you got to remember what the important part about this the the characters and the world is is that the vibe of these mutant teenagers living in the sewers of New York City and being like ninjas, that is good enough. And it will always be a good enough story and will always be open to a bunch of reinterpretation. You can start stacking things on, but you need to start with a good core. Mm -hmm. And right now it's like in the middle of a story ongoing, for better, for worse. You know, There's a lot that's already happened and I'm sure they'll get to it. But it does not seem like the best show from episode one. How much
4: more am I willing to give it? I don't know. Many shows don't seem like the best show from episode one.
3: True, very true.
4: Or the first season, for that matter.
0: Yeah. There's lots more to talk about from San Diego Comic-Con, of course, but uh, uh, that's the stuff we can easily link to, so we'll do do that. We'll see you in a week, at least in theory, (laughs) and and be sure to stay tuned for all the awesome programming here on Nerdy Show, including the now ongoing season of The Orphans, our sci-fi audio drama, the third season investigation is happening right now, and uh, there's two episodes so far. So be sure to check those out at nerdyshow.com/orphans. But we'll see you next week here on Nerdy Show.
1: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott.